Support for today's episode comes from Hexclad. I hosted the Jane's Beard Awards um, twice, actually. I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling the truth. And Hexclad is the official cookware of the James Beard Foundation. So I was so happy to hear there are Dinners on Me sponsors. Hexclad has revolutionized the cookware industry with an all-in-one hybrid pan that gives you the convenience and cleanup of nonstick, the versatility of your grandma's cast iron, and the durability to last a lifetime. Whether you want to make that perfect steak dinner on date night or ditch that greasy pan from your college apartment, Hexclad has you covered. James Beard celebrates incredible chefs annually with their prestigious awards that I have had the privilege of handing out. Again, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying. And it's no surprise that Hexclad is their official cookware. They are a chef's dream and I, I just, I love cooking with them. I feel so professional when I do. Hexclad also has a lifetime warranty. These are literally the last set of pots and pans you will ever have to buy. Trust me when I say your partner, your family, and all your dinner guests will thank you. So, Chef, now is the time to upgrade that kitchen. For a limited time only, our listeners get 10% off their order with an exclusive link. Just head to hexclad.com slash JTF. Support our show and check them out at hexclad.com forward slash JTF. Bon appetit. Let's eat with Hexclad's revolutionary cookware. You ever own something that inspired you to up your game? I remember the very first cookbook I ever bought. It was when I was living in New York City. I had a roommate at the time and we had a very tiny kitchen, but I decided I wanted to be a better home cook. So I bought this cookbook from like a secondhand store or something. And that cookbook led to a little bit of a hobby for me. I, I, enjoyed cooking from from home and and making meals for myself and my roommate when I began a family uh, I began cooking for them and now I have two kids and I love cooking for them and I throw dinner parties and I'm actually now a author of my own cookbook (laughs) it's pretty crazy when we own exceptional things they inspire us to do exceptional things The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of its available features include a dynamic sky panorama glass roof and front row massaging seats. Oh, that's very luxurious. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hi, it's Jessie. Today on the show, you know her from Suddenly Susan, My Life on the D-List, and her 20-plus comedy specials. It's Emmy and Grammy Award winner, Kathy Griffin. Well, let me tell you, that's, that cancer scared the shit out of me. Of course. Because, like I said, they took out half my left lung. And I'm very bitter about the two lungs community. Yeah. That's right. I can hear you breathing. <laughs> and I don't appreciate it. This is Dinners on Me, and I'm your host, Jesse Tyler Ferguson. So I've known Kathy for quite a few years now. I met her for the first time at the front doors of Hollywood. Not literally, but she was perched at the entrance of one of the Emmy parties I went to right after Modern Family sort of took off. I was already such a huge fan of Kathy's comedy and, of course, her TV show, My Life on the D-List, so I was so excited to meet her. Now, most comedians I've met have an onstage persona and an offstage one, and the difference between the two can be somewhat jarring. With Kathy, she's exactly how you know her to be on stage. But the difference is, and there is one, is that she's very invested in getting to know more about you. She loves people watching and making new friends. I was so thrilled and honored to be invited to one of her famous salon dinner parties a few months back. It was an eclectic group that included Selma Blair, Sia, Lance Bass, Pam Adelon, amongst others. Most of us didn't know each other previously, but now we're all on a text thread with each other. Kathy loves bringing people together, be it through her dinner parties or her own comedy. After six years of not performing, Kathy is about to launch her new tour, My Life on the PTSD List, and this moment for her is a bit of a reintroduction of Kathy to the world. 
After her controversial photo of her holding a Trump mask went viral, her life was turned upside down. In addition to basically being blacklisted in the industry, she lost her mom and her sister. She herself was diagnosed with cancer. She nearly lost her ability to speak after a vocal cord injury, and she recently announced her divorce from her longtime partner, Randy. I say this with all honesty. I don't think I know an individual more resilient than Kathy Griffin. I am so inspired by her every time I am in her presence, and I was extremely thrilled that she agreed to meet me on her side of town for a meal. Hello. I decided to bring Kathy to the Sunset Restaurant in Malibu, which, like the name suggests, is where you want to be when the sun starts to go down. It's steps from the beach. Back in the 70s, it was called the Whale Watch, and it was a favorite amongst everyone from Frank Sinatra to Jimmy Carson. Kathy is the queen of gossip. If she's at a party, she's gonna get the dirt on everyone. It's, you know, it's her job. So I thought bringing her someplace that might be haunted by Jimmy Carson seemed kind of right. Okay, let's get to the conversation. You've been here, right? Yes. What are, you, are you looking at my Barbara Streisand sweatshirt? Oh shirt? my God. Is this great? You know she's walking distance from here. Let's go. We could go. Let's scrap this and Yes, go. let's I just go. Now, what's, what would our ruse be? Why, why we're there? Yeah, like we can't just knock. We have to say like... We should, I mean, like we're literally just in the neighborhood. But come on, we, what's in her best interest? Like we're there to buy stuff from the gift shop? I mean, I'm literally listening to her book right now. So I can just like say I have some facts I want to check about the book. Nice, nice. <laughs> She'll be thrilled you are actually reading it. It's so good. I love her. I love Have you ever her. met her? Many times. How, was it a good experience? Rough. She's rough. She's a little rough. She but admits it, though, in her book. She says, I, I don't like people meeting me because no. I'm worried. About what? About pe- meeting your heroes. Like, right. she doesn't think she's going to live up. And I get it. But she's, I mean, I will say her approach to that is to be tough. Yeah. But luckily, I've cracked her a couple of times. How? Every time I see her, I go, ugh. Please don't sing tonight. Every time I see you, you're over at the piano begging to sing people. I get it. You're talented. And so that usually kind of cracks her up. She'll go, oh, you know me. Because yeah. she notoriously will not sing unless it's yeah. like at Warren Buffett's house and he gives her net jets for life, yeah. which I heard she did once. Really? Net jets for life. That's a, that's a voice. Wow. That's a voice. Wow. No, but when I, because I feel like I got a really authentic version of her, though, because I, I met her after one of her concerts, and she was overwhelmed. I mean, she wasn't cold. She wasn't mean to me by any stretch yeah. of the imagination, but it wasn't, like, what I was expecting. Yeah. And, um, but I feel like that was a very authentic version of her. Mm-hmm. Did you know that she, um, and also Frank Sinatra, sang at this restaurant? What? Yes. When and why? Um, in the early 70s, they both performed here. Wait, you mean like as an act or like they Not were together. doing it like... I don't think together. But I mean like was she, as an employed thing or she was singing for a party? I don't or? know. I just, I just read that they, they both performed here at this restaurant when it was called The Whale Watch, I think it was Interesting. called. Interesting. The Whale Watch, yeah. This is the perfect place to bring somebody from out of town. Yeah, I've never actually never been here. I'm absolutely this it's is on like my list now. It's like a most Malibu place. It's very Malibu-y. Very Malibu. The ocean <laughs> is right there. The Pacific Ocean. Yeah, yeah. That we're not. This is not a sound machine. This it's is not a, the Atlantic Ocean. No, it's no. It's right there. Every day in and day out, it's here. That's why I like it. Also, did you know that um, I read about this? Uh, Johnny Carson ate here the night before he passed away. On my walk that I do almost every day, I walk past his estate. Uh-huh. And one thing, I, first of all, I love to imagine who has gone through those gates. Yeah. I mean, imagine. Yeah. Betty Davis, Clark Gable, like the names that must have gone to those parties. Yeah. It has its own parking lot just next to the house for probably like the help. Yeah. That parking lot alone could probably go for like empty, like 20 million. Oh, just for the real estate. Yes. Like, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yes. 100%, yeah. Cause that's that like where he lived in Streisand is probably the most expensive part of Malibu. Oh gosh, I think we should go to her house. I think we, too, we should too. <laughs> I have a good feeling about this today. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm throwing um, you under the bus if it doesn't go our way. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is Jesse's idea, Miss Streisand. 
I would love, I, and I've got to meet her another time after that, after she presented Hamilton with the Tony Award. I happened to be at the wow. Hamilton after party. And she was really lovely to me, a little warmer that time. She had also at that What'd point done say? a cameo on Modern Family, but just her voice, where oh. I talked to her through um, uh, the call box. Yeah. And she, I think she recorded it on her like voice memo app and just sent it yeah. to her friend, Jeffrey, who was working on the show. And um, I got, it was a scene with me. So she asked how it played and everything. I don't think she ever watched it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she, I had like a more real conversation with her. Yeah. I was dying for a photo, but I didn't ask. It's hard with the legends. I know. Because the legends don't always dig it. And mm-hmm. she's notoriously... With the lighting and the one time I was on Oprah, and I actually put the story in one of my specials, when Oprah had Barbara on, it was Barbara's cream phase. Okay. And she had... I know it well. Yes, she was only Mm -hmm. in cream, and... By Donna Karen, I'm sure. It was all Donna Karen, (laughs) and... She sang one beautiful song, but the slideshow behind her was her dead dog. Sadie? Yes. Oh, wow. And because she missed Sadie, and as if that wasn't surreal enough, her microphone matched her outfit. Of course it did. So when I got to talk to Oprah in the commercial break, which is also not easy, but it was like at the height of Oprah time, and I go, I got to tell you, that Streisand interview was off the chain amazing. Yeah. Like that looked nuts. Yeah. And she goes, you know she painted my, my, my mic white. Yeah. But Oprah was like pissed. Oh, what? <laughs> like, you should paint my microphone white. I said, well, Oprah. It's Barbara. Donna Karen and told her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You Everything is cream. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. I wonder what, it, what you go through to get a, like a selfie with her. Yeah. Like, I wonder if she just doesn't do them ever. Or if there's a place in her there house was, where she There was she a says, couple who did ask for one and got one, and she was gracious, and she, oh. she did one. And I, then I was like, oh, do I ask now? And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to do it. Yeah, I'd be afraid. Do I'd, be I'd be afraid. Scared. I don't want to leave. I don't want that to be the last interaction we have. And also, I, I have this weird feeling. If she gets mad at you, it's mad for life. I, I don't of, want mad I for life. I tend to agree. A little joke here and there, and then that's all the trouble I want. Thanks. Thanks. Hi, Noah. Yeah, I'd love a Diet Coke, please. Diet Pepsi's great, yeah. Um, I will do an iced tea. Yeah. And can we have some flat water? Of course. Okay, thanks. Yeah, that'd be Bottle cool. flat would be great, thank you. Have you eaten here before? Yes. You have, what did you get? What did you I like the crab cakes. Yeah. What do you? What sings to you? What do you like? I don't know. I'm kind of. I, I do feel like whenever I can see water, whenever I can see the ocean, I, I, I'm gonna order fish. Good. I'll figure it out. Okay. Did you go? Did you leave for LA right after high school? I went to I went to a junior college for one year, but I knew I wanted to start working right away. Yeah. So I got an agent in Chicago, and I was an extra in a commercial for the Chicago White Sox to advertise going to the games. Yeah. But I was lucky because they zoomed in on a three shot. So even though I didn't know it until I had lived in LA for two years working as a non-union extra, yeah. which was my full-time job. Someone said, oh, you now are eligible to join SAC. So at least I was able to get my oh, union right, card. Right, right, right. And that was a big difference. But when you're a non-union extra. 25 bucks a day. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. dollars for a wardrobe bump if you wear your own clothes. If you only wear your own clothes, right. How long did you do that for? I did it for like two years at least. How time. did you survive on? I was still living off my parents. Okay. Like they let me still live with them in their yeah. apartment, one two bedroom apartment on Pico. I was an extra in the Michael Jackson commercial where his hair caught Stop fire. it. My you were there? God, my hand to God. Did you see it? Did you see it happen? Yes, but we didn't know what happened. Yeah, yeah. It was a two day shoot, if I recall. I was there the first day. You're just a crowd scene. Yay. And it was a Pepsi ad, so you're holding up like yeah. Pepsi signage. And all I know is that the day was cut short. So there was like murmurs, but we all got sent home. And it wasn't until like the local six o'clock news that they just said like there had been a pyrotechnic accident. But then nobody was even reporting that his actual head caught fire. So I can't say I saw that because the pyro was crazy in that room. Yeah. That is crazy. I know. Wow. But I loved being an extra because it taught me set etiquette. Yeah. You know, I I went in the hard way. Like, I was so obnoxious. I would 
just walk up to the director and like start asking for jobs. Oh my God, Kathy. And then I had to be like, that's so not how it's done. I love that you were brave enough to like just go up to Video Village and talk to the director, so that's amazing. I love that you use brave as a word. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, Did what you, was I thinking? Were you doing stand-up at that time? Were no, you... I went about this whole thing ass backwards. So my dream was to be a sidekick. I wanted to be Rhoda on Mary Tyler Moore. Okay. I wanted to be Ethel. And so I was just on this quest to see how I could do that. And so I got a grant, some bullshit grant, um, meaning bullshit because I don't know what I put on my paperwork. And I got to go to Strasbourg for two years. Yes. So Strasbourg, Which is a great it's a great school. At least Strasbourg was still alive. Wow. And we would have speakers like Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. And they would come and do like, speak to like a 50 person class. And it was great. But then after two years, I was like, oh, there's this place called the Groundlings. Yes. And because I'm from Chicago, um, Second City is revered Huge there. there yeah. The improv sketch group. Right. And I knew that the Groundlings were a Second City type group. Mm -hmm. So I went by myself. I thought the show was incredible. I thought all the players were incredible. Were there people that were that you saw that night that have gone on to Thanks. big things that you remember? Oh, yes. So after the show, bold as brass. Thank you. I walked backstage right into the dressing room. Once again, not appropriate. And I went up to the guy that I thought was the funniest guy in the whole show. And I said, how can I do this? And he was so nice. He was taking off his makeup. And he was like, well, there's a whole school. And he introduced me to the head of the school. And he goes, you take classes. And then you try to get into the Sunday company, then the weekend company. And his name was Phil Hartman. Oh, my God. And I just loved Phil so much. Do you know what so, you want to eat? Before oh, yes, yes. I'm sorry. I'll have your Brussels, no chili oil, please. And then I would like your cheese plate. Thanks. Yeah, like, yeah, first. Cheese by the ocean. Cheese by the ocean. I looked on Yelp. It looks so good. <laughs> I'm actually going to have your shrimp cocktail, please. And I'm going to have your hamachi sashimi. Yes. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Noah. My pleasure. Thanks, Noah. Welcome. Um, so, Phil Hartman. First, first groundling I met. Incredible. I know. And so, so did you take his advice? Did you move up to the, to the yeah, ground? Yeah, I started lanes? the classes. And, you know, our company had everybody from Will Ferrell and Sherry O'Terry and John Lovitz was my era. And um, I'm trying to think who else. Was Lisa Kudrow? In, yes. Yeah. In fact, Lisa is one of the reasons I became a stand-up because the Groundlings used to have this Friday night experimental show. And I had a director that actually liked me, which made all the difference because yeah. it's, a, it's a competitive place. Mm -hmm. And um, he said, okay, I'll let you open the Friday Night Late Show with one of your stories. And I started doing it. And then Lisa said, you know, you're good at sketches, but I think you're really best as yourself and your point of view and stuff. And she was like, honestly, an influence. Really? And I did a couple open mic nights, bombed horribly, like at the improv and the store. And then I got together, I'd become friends with Jeanine Garofalo. Yes. So I found a loophole in the Groundlings Constitution <laughs> where if there was one night a week that wasn't being used for a class or a show and you were a company member in good standing, you could have the theater. So then I started putting on my own stand-up shows called Hot Cup of Talk and the style was only comics that tell stories. And I was convinced no industry would come. So we made the show a dollar and we had an egg timer. So I thought industry people always leave early. So four yeah. comics for an hour, ding, the bell goes off. You introduce the next person. Love There's it. not even a host. And that's honestly, I finally started getting gigs based on that. Wow. I mean, I you you, um, you came over a few days ago. You surprised me. I had a little procedure done, and you brought over some um, uh, some lunch, very fancy lunch of um, you mean caviar from caviar. Mary Trump. Yes, Mary Trump had given you caviar, yes. and you gifted it to me. I regifted Mary Trump's caviar. <laughs> Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> but you sat on my couch, and you had just gone to Paris Hilton's Christmas party the night yes. before, and you were just telling me about the, about this party. And I was like, I am basically getting a free show. I mean, I haven't been a, f a fan of your, your style of comedy and your, your specials for so long. And what I think I want people to know about you that I've gotten to know is that there is no difference between that version of you on stage and the person who sat on my couch and told me a story about 
you know, your night before at Paris Hilton's Christmas party. I was so excited when you were like, that's a new half hour for you. Yeah. Because I was like, it's in. Yeah. It's in the show. I killed on the couch. It did. It's going in the show. <laughs> okay, time for a quick break, but don't go away. When we come back, Kathy tells us why she has a soft spot for The Simpsons creator, Matt Groening, and we get into the fallout from that 2017 photo shoot. Okay, be right back. Don't you just love it when someone looks at you and says, hmm, something's different about you. What were you up to last night? Well, no matter how late you were up the night before, Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops can help your eyes look more refreshed and awake than ever. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute to help your eyes look brighter and wider for up to eight hours. No wonder it has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. You won't believe your eyes, and you know you can trust them because they're made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lohm, and they're backed by six clinical studies. Eye doctors trust them too. They're the number one recommended redness reliever eye drop. The one and only Lumify is an amazing drop that will have people saying, Something's different about you, but in the best possible way. So check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. This episode of Dinners on Me is brought to you by BetterHelp. Okay, so listen, I was in my kitchen the other day, and I'm, I'm very particular about how I like things in the kitchen. I need things to be in a specific place. I like things to stay clean. So imagine my frustration when I saw that my husband, Justin, had left an empty can of cold brew and a wrapper from Protein Bar on the counter right next to the recycling bin. Why couldn't he just open the drawer with the, with the recycling bin in it and put it in there? This is something I need to get off my chest. Therapy is a very safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I mean, I've learned a lot from therapy and I have learned that, you know, I need to pick my battles. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can even switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash dinners today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dinners. And we're back with more Dinners on Me. Do you know Matt Groening, the creator of Simpsons? I don't know him, but I... I just want to give him credit because he, he threw me a solid... And I, I just think it was like kind of a beautiful thing. So I had lung cancer, even though I never smoked. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. And yeah. so um, it's altered my voice permanently. Yeah. And at this level, it just kind of sounds like maybe I have a little bit of a cough or something. But when I go to project, the adrenaline just kind of kicks in and it goes to a higher pitch. Mm. And I'm very self-conscious about it. I've had like six surgeries on my vocal cords. But... Um, Prior to it even sounding like this, it was literally even like mm -hmm, this. I remember. And during that, Jimmy Kimmel let me go on his show, and he we just explained it to the audience, and then took the audience a second, and they were very giving. And I got a call from Matt Groening saying, you know, come do like a few lines or whatever. And I as said, yourself? No, as a, they wrote a character. And, you know, I said, look, I got to be honest, this voice you're hearing, this is like as good as it this gets. This is what it is, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, that's okay. And so it was so cool to do that session because it was the first time since my cancer battle where I thought, okay, if I can get over it because they're not there over it, then that's what I have to work on. But then yeah. I'll be okay. How are you feeling about it now? Well, let me tell you, that's, that cancer scared the shit out of me. Of course. Because, like I said, they took out half my left lung. And I'm very bitter about the two lungs community. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like you're flaunting your lungs in my face right Our now. Our full breaths of air. Which Thank is, you. that's right, I can hear you breathing. <laughs> and I don't appreciate it. Hi there. Oh, these look delicious. Thank you. Yeah, I know when you, um, you were very open about, you were very open about everything, let's yeah, just be seriously. honest. Um, but, you know, for someone who obviously uses your voice is, is right. you know, that, that is your identity. Yeah. And, um, to have that be in danger, because I think there was a point where at least I remember an Instagram story that you posted where you weren't sure there was a chance that you might lose it completely. Yeah. 
I mean, that must have been... The, the surgeon who took out my left lung, I, I'm not saying he did it on purpose, of course, but he injured me so severely. I have a permanently paralyzed left cord and an aperture over both of them, and they're afraid to close that because it might restrict my airway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's one of the reasons I work out like a fiend and do like a ton of cardio and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's been, it's been a struggle just mentally getting over the part that like I can't do certain impressions anymore. Right. And I, you know, will ask every single audience to basically, you know, just accept it. Right. And I'll make jokes about it and the stuff. The understanding. Yeah. yeah. And then I just hope. <laughs> My earring. I don't know. But I think like, you know, I, I, I can only imagine that the people who are coming to your shows now are people who have been fans of yours for a very long time and probably understand. I think they know the whole, know. like the Trump story and the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think any of that. that there's a shorthand I think you can have with them. Yeah, thank God. Which is great. And uh-huh. I'm so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Were you on yeah. any crap? I shouldn't say crappy. Let me just put it this way. <laughs> Were you a regular on a TV show before ever? Um, before the Modern Family? Yeah. A show called The Class, which was uh, only on for one season. Mm-hmm. But it's what brought me to uh, New York. I'm uh, sorry, it was what brought me to Los Angeles um, from New York. I was doing theater in New York, and that was my first big break. I just, like, when I watch Modern Family, I just wonder if you guys appreciated how cool it was to be on an actual good sitcom Mm -hmm. when there's so many crappy ones. Like, that show just delivered week after week and you were so fucking amazing in that show. That's very sweet of you to say. Thank you. So good. Speaking of sitcoms, I mean, I first became aware of you on Suddenly Susan. With Brooke Shields. With Brooke Shields. So that's a full circle moment for you because, you know, you did get to become the sidekick. This thing that you wanted to do. Um, which, if I'm doing my math correctly, you had been in L.A. for almost 16-ish years. Yeah. I, I mean, mean that I bounced around yeah, of course. forever. And then all of a sudden, the floodgates opened, and in one year, I got five guest spots, which was huge for mm-hmm. me. So it finally put me on the radar of the network folks. Mm-hmm. What was that like to get that um, big job? Did you know it was a big deal at the time? Life-changing. Mm-hmm. I mean, didn't have cell phones then, yeah. but like... I'm racing home to tell my mom and dad first. And yeah, I mean, that was a great freaking gig. Yeah. The thing about that show that was so funny is that the behind the scenes Mm. was so heavy on that show. Mm. And it was like the silliest, fluffiest show. But like Judd Nelson would be like doing whippets at Crafty. Oh, no, no. Allegedly. Allegedly. that's my opinion. And like, you know, it would just, it, it was just. Wasn't Barbara some, Barry on that Barbara show? Barbara Barry, who I, she's my closest friend on the show. I have this really funny story about Barbara Barry, and that was that she has, she and Jay had a house in Fire Island. Yeah. Oh yeah, I went there, I stayed there. You stayed there, okay. Yep. And Brooke Shields, at the time when she was with Andre Agassi, went to stay there for a little while. And Barbara Berry was having the housekeepers come through, and she um, wanted them to clean the windows. It was like the once a year thing, they clean the windows. So she left a bottle of Windex saying, for the windows or something, on on the kitchen counter. And Brooke Shields and Andre Agassi come into the, the kitchen and see the bottle of Windex. I'm thinking that, like, the one, you know, Barbara Berry's letting them use their place. She right. thinks, they think, oh, well, she wants us to clean the windows. It's no like, big deal. So, so they were on ladders outside oh my in Fire God. Island cleaning the windows. And their neighbors called Barbara Berry and said, um, Brooke Shields and Andre Agassi are, are in danger. Are literally in danger. They're either trying to break into your house yeah. or they're cleaning your windows. Yeah. And um, I've, I've met Brooke a few years ago and I asked her to confirm that story and she said it was absolutely true. That so, is hilarious. Go. Okay, so the other thing I was going to say is on Suddenly Susan, mm-hmm. this was when Brooke was with Andre mm-hmm. and that crazy was nuts. Like, first of all, first time on a private jet, he would send a jet for her every taping wow. night. And he, she got him to invite the whole cast to Vegas because he lives in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And... That alone, like, I had never seen, like, wealth like that. Also, I, as famous as Brooke is, until Agassi, I did not get the bro-athlete fame. Yeah. 
that, oh, it's huge. I mean, the executives' <coughs> pants were dropping, and they were yeah. just so freaked mm-hmm. out to be in the presence of Agassi. Yeah. All right, so get this. So he treated her like crap. And like at one point he tried to get me to not swear around him. You know, I'm fucking 36 this Agassi? time. Yeah, because oh. he's a Christian. <laughs> okay. All right, so this is so wild to me. So they get their divorce, et cetera. She meets the love of her life, Christian. She, it's all good. But when she was with Agassi, she did not know because he put it in his book. He has a book called Closer. Yes. Like, look at me closer. It's the he same was doing... guy who wrote the Prince Harry book, by the way. Oh, yeah. good. Side, side note. Agassi says in the book he was doing meth the whole time. Not like some pot, not, God yeah. forbid, a couple of pills. Meth. Yeah, that's serious, yeah. And that's why he was like that with Brooke. Yeah, yeah. Because he was, she, and she's such a straight edge. Yeah. Like, I get why it wouldn't even occur to her that he right. could be doing something like that. Yeah. But he, I'm not going to lie, he was dusty. Yeah. He was dusty. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was snippy. <laughs> well, there's a reason, apparently. <laughs> uh, so. But Brooke Shields doesn't speak to me. I know. You had mentioned I that. I feel bad. I, I've heard you say that, you guys. Because I told a... a story in one of my specials that when she saw it live, she didn't mind. But when she saw it in the special, she didn't like it, which yeah. is her absolute yeah. right. And But I will just always love her because... She had a hand in making sure I got that part, and yeah. that changed my life. Yeah, yeah. And also, I just like her. She's really smart. I do too. She's, I like her a lot. The life she's had, and she would tell the best stories about freaking John Travolta and George mm-hmm. Michael. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Yeah. JFK Jr. Mm-hmm. Going yeah. to Studio 54. Like, yeah, she the best. Yeah, she had quite a life, yeah. Are there other people that you feel like you have um, were friends with once, and like maybe because of your comedy, you've lost that... Connection. Um, let me see. No, because those people tend, they avoid me to begin with. <laughs> okay. So, like, John Mayer. Okay. I run into him a lot. You know, he was really close with Saget, and so I saw yeah. him at the Saget memorials, et cetera. Sure. But it's weird. He's literally never come up to me, but in a way that I feel like he's like, I don't need this from her. Right. So I get that a lot. Like, like people just, who steer away from you? Yeah, and right. sometimes it's just the thought of a comedian yeah. being at there at that moment or whatever. But yeah, I get a lot of folks that are just like, oh. See, the first time I saw you, I remember this. I talked about this when I came over to your house for dinner. But I, I was like a moth to a flame. I was like, let me get closer to that. <laughs> we have these ridiculous parties yeah. before the Oscars, before the Emmys, called right. the night before parties, and they're <gasps> fundraisers. I'm banned from that party. Are you now? Yes. I still want to bring you as my date. Like you brought Bristol Palin's um, baby daddy as your date. I'm just going to bring you. Um, And I was, um, it was early years of Modern Family. And we were walking up and you were perched at the the entryway of the party. Like on like a speaker or or a high stool or something. You weren't even going into the party. You just wanted to watch people arriving. And I introduced myself to you and said, oh, I'm such a big fan. And I was like, are you coming in? You're like, no, I'm sitting here to watch people come in and judge them. I was like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. I was exactly. in my seat of judgment. Yeah. Whether it's a box yeah. or a top of a speaker, I can make a seat of judgment. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, well, I, a couple of times, I think I might be, I don't know if I'm still going to make the list, but I've been lucky enough to go to the Kardashian Christmas party. Oh, wow. So I am, well, I'm happy to admit I love them. Yes, I know. I know yeah. that they... I love them, too. People think they've heard feminism, et cetera, et cetera. But they're also billionaire boss ladies. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, doesn't make me feel like a good feminist right. to not, like, root for them, at least in the business yeah. sphere. Yeah. Okay, blah, blah, blah. So now Chris gives me a chair of judgment. <laughs> and because when I'm at a party, I'm working. Yeah. I'm mining material. I'm, you know, it's like a spirit is attending, but my soul is judging. <laughs> well, see, you know, I find it fascinating because, like, the Kardashians have been a, a part of your comedy for a very yeah. long time, and yet they are very close to you. Well, we have a we have a pact. I have a pact with Kim I'm very proud of. We used to live next door to each other okay. when she was with Kanye. That alone was heaven, and I've done, like, two specials, frankly, yeah, just yeah, about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. But she's always had a sense of humor, even yeah. when I was going for her in the aughts. And people have to understand, the 90s and the 2000s, the kind of comedy that was almost mandated was vicious, 
roast style. Right. And so, yeah, I called them every name in the book. And every time I would somehow run into them at a charity gig or whatever, they were so nice. Yeah, they are very lovely. They're, Thank oh, you. Ooh, I got tableside ponzu. Oh. Thank you very much. Thank you, Noah. Um, but, you know, that's your style of comedy. And I think yeah. that's what, you know, what your fan base certainly loves and appreciates. And I love that they have such a sense of humor about, you know, what you've said about them. And um, That's why I went to, I mean, it's hilarious to me. I get it that I went to Paris Hilton's Christmas party. Mm-hmm. I probably called her a dirty whore in three specials. <laughs> I've told stories about her where she doesn't look like a genius. Mm-hmm. And... The whole time she just was like laughing all the way to the bank. And now I feel like I'm one of her aunties. Yeah. I just have such a affection for her because I just fucking appreciate the ones that laugh about it. Okay, time for a quick break, but don't go away. When we come back, Kathy tells us one of her favorite Paris Hilton stories from back of the day. Okay, be right back. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious, and this is Dinner SOS, a new podcast from Bon Appetit. On each episode, we'll take a call from a home cook facing a real dinner emergency. Then I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. Because cooking for the people you love should inspire joy without a side of stress. Make sure you're following Dinner SOS wherever you're listening now. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with more Dinners on Me. Kathy was just telling me about how Paris Hilton moved from one of her favorite people to roast in her comedy specials to one of her dear friends. Was she always someone who appreciated you, or was there a moment where you, like, were confronted with her and you're like, okay, this could go to one of two ways and it, and it happened to go well? Yeah, or? when she agreed to be on My Life on the D-List. Oh, that's right. I it forgot was she was on I that. I spent the day with her. And remember, this is the height of the stalkerazzi. Mm-hmm. And these poor girls couldn't, you know, take a shit without being photographed. And she was so game. We went to, you know, Kitson, which is a store on Robertson. Course, yeah. And it was very famous back in the day. And... The way the paparazzi stalked us was terrifying. And they're all males, almost all males. And I remember saying, she was still doing the baby voice, and she goes, hungry tigers. I call them hungry tigers. (laughs) And she's smiling the whole time. And now we learned the truth, that she went to the school in Utah where they physically and sexually abused her. And she's an amazing businesswoman. She's like a DJ in huge demand overseas, Mm -hmm. and she does gigs in Dubai, and she is her own boss. And so, but I gotta make fun of the party. Sure, of course. All they served were corn dogs. (laughs) You told me about this. And one guy who made a crepe. (laughs) You can't, I'm sorry. Yeah, Corn dogs. you did say the food was lacking. I be, but who, who was like, okay, the flowers, check. Uh, theme music, check. Uh, food, check and check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corn dog, I'm just saying. I love it. I do want to talk about an infamous photo yes. that was taken. Um, it's not the one you think. 2011. Yeah. Out photo, sh- out That's 100. Right. Um, you and I were paired together right. for uh, a photo, and kind of what I remember, and you you can back me up on these facts. In a, in sort of like a last minute decision, you decided to do a one off shot and do a quick photo where you recreated the famous Janet Jackson album cover, right? Where, where there's hands behind the hands her, are hold, behind her holding her boobs, supporting her boobs, yeah. And you wanted my hands to be the yes. hands behind you holding the boobs, and. I, of course, agreed, because, like, I'm not going to say no to this. I love that picture. I love that I picture love so much. I love that picture. 
Um, but I, I feel like that was definitely, because I had met you before, but I, that's where our relationship definitely took a turn. <laughs> Next level. Next level, yeah. yeah. You were taking your bra off in front of me, right. telling me to grab your breasts. Mm-hmm. Touch them now. Touch them now. Right. And um, I'll post the photo on my Instagram when this, yeah. when this interview um, I think we drops, also but... took one where you're popping your head out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, that, I think that's the one that we ended up using. I think Good. I ended up Good. putting it in the magazine. It was black and white. It was black and white, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, another infamous photo, of course, is the one that, you know, most people are, are I mean, you wrote a whole special about that time of your life, mm-hmm. which I was lucky enough to go to the live taping of. Oh. Um, and I think it's such an important thing for people to watch. Kathy um, Griffin, a hell of a story. A hell of a story, and it really is. It truly was a hell of a story. And I also, I got to do the best tour of my career. I got the best reviews of my career. I got to play everywhere from the Sydney Opera House to Singapore, all over Europe, you know, Carnegie Hall. I sold out Carnegie Hall in 12 hours. Amazing. So, you know, I also got a lot of understanding from real live people, Mm -hmm. but the industry decided I was toxic. And, you know, I... It was seismic the way it was handled because it wasn't really a cancellation. It was an investigation by the Department of Justice. Two agencies, the U.S. Attorney's Office and the Secret Service. And I actually just got a FOIA back, a Freedom of Information Act recently, uh, expressing how serious they were about trying to charge me with the crime of conspiracy to assassinate the President of the United States. Which is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, the notion that anyone thought I was serious, right. but it was my own stupidity thinking people were ready to realize the level of dangerous that he is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was doing sort of a play on when he didn't like the way, I hate to stick up for her, but Megyn Kelly right. did the debates, moderated the debates. He said, um, there is, looks like there was blood coming out of her eyes, blood coming out of her wherever. And I thought, let's do a picture of him and blood coming out of his wherever. Right. And we got a Halloween mask, and I put like a wig head behind it to keep it, fr- it kept folding. And we had done three other like really goofy photos that day. One, I was spoofing Kim Kardashian. With, the, with the champagne on your butt? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I swear, I thought... The, these pictures will like they'll be on Instagram for two days or maybe a gay blog. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sort of like harkens back to like when we were together in photo shoots. Like, I have this great idea. Let's just do it. But you know, you you took a huge hit for it. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, and- right then and there, I got fired from CNN on mm-hmm. the ticker. Yeah. Nobody even called me. Anderson Cooper issued a statement. Yeah. No phone call. Mm-hmm. You know, so the psychological hit was toughest because yeah. I really got it incoming from left, right, and center. It wasn't just MAGA people, right. but they were scary. Sure. But it was also folks I respected saying, you know, ISIS is going to use this as a recruiting video and Americans are going to be beheaded because of you. You've got the blood of American soldiers on your hands. Like the campaign was intense. Yeah. And the DOJ was calling my attorneys every single day, asking me to go to the downtown L.A. precinct because they wanted video of, like, a perp walk. And even though they just supposedly had questions, it cost me a lot of money and a lot of negotiation to just get them to back off about that. Yeah. But I was interrogated under oath. Um, It was very serious. It went on about two hours. And then it was finally over, and I still have an email from the DOJ saying, you're exonerated of conspiracy to assassinate the president. It's just still so crazy when I think about it. I know, I know, I know. But also to lose, I guess, you know, the the support of the industry must have just been incredible. I mean, I think, you know... Everybody. Everybody. I mean, I think there's a lot of people... Not Jimmy Kimmel. No, I know. You had had people who stood up for you. I mean, I think... That moment had to have shifted you yeah. in ways that you didn't expect it to. Trust issues, I for mean, sure. For sure, trust issues. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, for a while you were not able to do the thing that you love doing, which was make people laugh Five and use your voice. years yeah. I couldn't tour for the phone not to ring 
for five years just messes with your head. Yeah, I can also only imagine You're holding that. your chest. I know, but I, I, I'm, I, my heart is hurting for you right now. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm covering Barbara's eyes. She doesn't need to see this. Shelter her from this. <laughs> but also, that had to have like affected the way you're, you're, you felt as safe as a person, yeah. just leaving your house. Yeah. I mean, that, that had to affect you in, in very deep ways that, you know, I don't know if you were able to speak freely about. I mean, I, I, no. I, I know you had Randy. There's nobody but had sympathy. My husband, Randy, was incredible. Yeah. But no, nobody had sympathy for me. Even, uh, you know, uh, fellow snowflake libtards like me thought it was too far, et cetera. Um, you know, I went on the Colbert show, and I'm such a fan of his. And I used to watch Colbert Report every single night. And, you know, he wanted to kind of relitigate the photo. And it, I thought he was kind of tough on me because I said, Stephen, the First Amendment is both of our commodities. Yeah. And he wanted to take issue with that. And I just thought, oh, I'm just promoting my tour, man. And I walked into the wings, and I burst into tears. Yeah. And luckily, it was one of those two show days, and the producer goes, I'll give you a beautiful edit. And I said, what happened? And he goes, he just couldn't get beyond the picture. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, but I think he's so great. Yeah. Like, yeah. really, a picture? Yeah. After decades of work? Like, I do think it's one of those things that with time and space, people are going to realize a lot of people are really overreacting. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're already kind of at that place. Yeah. Well, I um, think the tour, the fact that I'm going on tour right. is revelatory to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. De I definitely want to talk about the... Oh, I just put my hand on my ponzu sauce. Oh, for God's sake. For fuck's sake. <laughs> um, you know. As you're putting together your new show, yes. and I know you, you told me you don't talk about Trump at all in your new show, which I, I love. He just, it just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't really come, come up. Yeah. And it's not conscious. No. Um, but do you think... When you're writing jokes now, or you're thinking about stories you want to tell, yeah. does it is there a voice in the back of your head now, like saying, okay, maybe that might be too far, or did, has it impeded the way you like to create and like the way you use your voice? I don't think it's I don't think so because this new show really is about my PTSD and making fun of it and finding the commonality when. I make jokes about getting cancer and what yeah. that's like. I make jokes about having a prescription pill addiction mm -hmm. and trying to take my life and what that was like. Mm -hmm. You know, there's one, a story I have about going on vacation with Sia in Mexico and just everything went wrong to the point where it was just Lucy and Ethel. And so I sprinkle the new show with the, the notion that I have PTSD is just bizarre to me because yeah. I thought it was only for, you know, combat veterans or right. something. But like when you were mentioning being conscious of my own physical safety right after the Trump thing, I had many people confront me yeah. and I was scared a lot. Not just you. I mean, I, I know you've talked about this, but you know, your sister was, was yeah, not dying well. Your of mother cancer. was not well. And yes. these people are also getting threats. They, they, found, they found them both and called them. And that was terrifying because yeah. I felt like I couldn't protect them, obviously. But I also was discourage kind of in human nature because the number of people that believed it and for example now the number of Americans who are QAnon or QAnon leaning and believe that I actually harvest baby parts with Hillary Clinton isn't like a few fringe people in one cult it's like a third of America but yeah I'm skittish now naturally I'm skittish for you. <laughs> <laughs> so like the quote treatment that I get for it, I find funny. Like I do this thing where I get on all fours and I arch my back yeah. and I say meow. Cat and cow, then, yeah. yes. And I, then, I, I, I did acting class as a kid. Like this is all, what? this is what we do in acting class. I thought class. I was the only person that, oh, no, I no, feel no, like no, a no. fool no. At my, with my stardom. I did cat cow in meow. the lobby of Circle in the Square. Class. No, no, no. No. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Then maybe it's me. I don't think any of it works. I don't think the cupping do does anything. I don't think the acupuncture works. But I do it all because I stop barfing. See, now the acupuncture thing is the most controversial thing you said to me all day. Talk I to me. I think it works. 
Okay. <laughs> I hope so because I, I love get it once a week. Honestly, it's like a free nap. In my ears. It's not a free nap. It's a nap I pay for. You, ouch, it hurts. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. it does. It does. No napping. But, uh, but Kathy, I mean, there is so much that happened in such a consolidated amount of time. I mean, I, I really admire you so much for rising out of that, like a like a phoenix. Truly, I mean, between the, you know being canceled or even like erased, as you might say, yeah. to um, you know to not having work, to your to your mom suffering and going through final stages of dementia, yeah. and, oh. and then losing your sister, and yeah. then you know uh, being addicted to, to painkiller medicine, and like which you know you famously have told me like, you don't drink at all. I mean, right. you, you're you, you seem so straight edge. So the fact that that was a thing that you were struggling with to, you know, an attempted suicide. Mm. Uh, It's just, it's a lot. And when you look at the the time that that all happened, it is not that long that all that was compacted. It is, it it did kind of start with the Trump photo and that was six and a half years ago. And it's, it's crazy how angry people still are. I took a picture with, I can't remember, it might've been our good friend Selma Blair. And I, and all the comments to her were so vicious. Like, how could you be photographed with her? She came after the greatest president in our history. She's a terrorist. And I was just like, okay, take down the picture. Yeah. It's not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it. Oh. But it's crazy. After six and a half years, people are yeah. still lying about a picture. What do you think that's about? I think it's about something that neither one of us can understand. I think... Once you have that target painted on your back, they've made their decision about you and they've yeah. made their opinions about you and that's just not going to change. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, the internet, it's a portal t- for all that negativity yeah. to be placed anywhere. I don't think that will ever change. Um, I will be always very happy to, to post a photo with you. <laughs> um, and I will always consider you a, a very close friend. Oh, um, yep. oh my gosh. I love this so much. I know. Me too. Thank what you for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you so much for also doing the drive-by. Oh, that was fun. It really gave like me a I lot said, of Like I said, I won't abuse it, but it was the timing <laughs> it worked out that day. Why did you have my Mary Trump's caviar again? Because it, it had just been my birthday, and she sent it to me for my birthday. Oh and I was like, this would be a great gift. Oh, I got to tell you what I got Paris Hilton for a Christmas party. Please. I'm so proud of this. But I, I asked the husband if she saw it, and if she, did she think it was funny, and he didn't get back to me. I gave her a bag of money. <laughs> Isn't that great? Because I was How like, much? I like, like five hundred bucks. No. no, I gave her like some twenties and a couple hundies and a bunch of tens and fives. Like crumpled up. Like crumpled, yeah. <laughs> and I go, I was just like, what? Did, what do you get for the girl? Who has everything? That is so funny because also but I just imagine her. But she didn't call me her. to say that she got it. I hope she did. I hope she got the five hundred dollars. I hope she didn't throw it away. Can you imagine? Yes, I can. Im- <laughs> I'm, that's all I imagine. I'm imagining it right now. Oh, that's very funny. You give good gifts. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. Next week on Dinners on Me, you know him from hits like White and Nerdy and My Bologna. It's the icon himself, Weird Al Yankovic. We'll get into his early days as a parody singer, the lengths he's gone to to get an artist's permission, and the throwback way he got to know his wife. Spoiler, it involves a landline. Dinners on Me is a production of Sony Music Entertainment and a kid named Beckett Productions. It's hosted by me, Jesse Tyler Ferguson. It's executive produced by me and Jonathan Hirsch. Our showrunner is Joanna Clay. Sam Baer engineered this episode. Hans Dale Shee composed our theme music. Our head of production is Sammy Allison. Special thanks to Tamika Balance-Kolasny and Justin Makita. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Join me next week. <laughs>